hosts Jacob and Michael. Hey everybody, it is back in tunes. They return the final episode of this mini season. I've decided, Jacob, every little mini season we're going to do here on out is uh, going to be like after Pink Panther names. So it's like the return of Back in Tunes. The next time will be Revenge of Back in Tunes and Back in Tunes Strike Back, the trail of <laughs> Back in Tunes, stuff like that. <laughs> Son of Back in Tunes. The last, the last Back in Tunes. The curse of Back Rise in Tunes. Rise of the Back in Tunes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is it of the 80s. There's going to be some animated movies we're going to talk about on our other podcast called Hit Rewind. Uh, I've got to find the Chipmunk movie because we could, or the Chipmunk Adventure. I couldn't find any episodes because that's what we were going to discuss. What was the other thing we were going to discuss I couldn't find? Oh my gosh, yeah. Oh, no, Muppet Babies. Um, yes, Muppet Babies and the Chipmunk, yeah. Muppet yeah. Babies, I'm surprised it wasn't on Disney+. Plus. I mean, Disney+, Plus has all their old stuff, uh, their entire catalog on there and they own uh henson studio yeah i mean they have the new rendition of muppet babies but not the original classic i'm like what the hell yeah Maybe so but we did discuss it in what was, what was our very first episodes or was our first episode of the muppets i can't remember what our first one was it was either ghostbusters or the all things muppets right no real ghostbusters okay. was definitely our first episode but um we did talk about oh no we talked about we talked about uh, uh the muppets take manhattan during the 1984 episode of hit rewind that's how we talk about right, Muppet Babies. Okay, so we never yeah. we didn't get to be those two. I'm hoping to find the Chipmunk adventure that came out in 1987, so at least we can discuss that. But this episode is four obscurities, which I thought were interesting for one reason or another. And the first one is going to be Sky Commanders, the weirdest fucking toy line to be sponsored or co-produced by a major animated company. Hanna-Barbera getting into this must have meant they were in dire straits financially because why would you take such a goofball uh gimmick toy line i know i'm looking at how this cartoon came out i'm like okay this is kind of i uh, not necessarily uh taking place up in the sky i thought it was going to be uh like one of our other cartoons that we did that will be we will be discussing how, but it was almost like a little like kids version action uh, cartoon of cliffhanger yeah or zipline usa or something that's what i was expecting i know yeah i was like okay so everybody pretty much is a geologist uh from what i could tell and of course it does have a clancy brown he's like the villain which is dope i'm like i recognize that voice anywhere i mean if he has like a little more scruff to it he'd be mr krabs easily yeah which I, someone said I, I did a, a joke this morning, and uh, someone said you sound just like him, and I was like, I've never seen SpongeBob, so I have no idea what that sounds like. <laughs> but oddly enough, though, I couldn't tell Mr. Krabs was Clancy Brown the entire time. Ugh. But hey, it's done a lot for him, and you know, people happen to love a lot of people love SpongeBob. Yeah. So hey, I'm I'm looking at this real quickly. The main uh, star of this show is Robert Ridgely, and he is mostly known for doing voiceovers for commercials and trailers. But some people might know him as the Hangman from Robin Hood Men in Tights when he says, "No news is good news." <laughs> oh yeah, are you about sixteen, sixteen and a half? <laughs> um, he was also the Colonel in uh, Boogie Nights. Uh, he's the one who starts giving him more money to produce films and gets into trouble at the end. He gets put in prison. Do you remember that? 
Yes, I do. I remember him getting slapped around and crying. Yeah, sad that he died right before that came out, so he never got to see the warm reception that movie got. But there are some serious names in here. We have Soon Tech O, who's a notorious villain in a lot of kung fu movies, and uh, Missing in Action 2, um, which is like the most horrifying uh, prisoner of war movie I've ever seen. But he also did the voices oh. in Mulan, as I believe he was her dad. Fazal or something? Was that her dad? Miral? Yes, that's exactly uh, Spider that's is exactly played it. by Tristan Rogers, who if you ever watch General Hospital, you'll know him very well. He plays Scorpio, and my sister got to meet him and sent a picture to my mom, who thought he was awesome. <sighs> yeah, no. Um, again, yeah, some of these voices do sound awfully familiar. Again, Clancy Brown I recognized right away. Everybody else, I'm like, hmm... Oh my gosh, I, I didn't I realize feel... that was her name, the lady on Love Boat, the, the cruise director, the female. I don't know if you've ever saw Love Boat, but she is Lauren Tews, and she does the uh, Irish Red Macala. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, I have not seen Love Boat. I've only like seen like intros, like... Uh, the Love Boat makes and new. There's a monster <laughs> who's going to turn you into goo. It's deep rising. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a hell of a crossover. But yeah, I've always seen Love Boat and, you know, shows like Carol Burnett, like, just in promos. Yeah. I never watched an actual episode. I missed out. Damn it. Um, so Ugh. this is part of a syndicated show that War- Hanna-Barbera had done called The Fantastic World of Hanna-Barbera. This is before Warner Brothers, you know, Ted Turner had bought them up. They were still an independent company, and it was distributed by World Vision, which was a big syndicated company. I don't remember The Fantastic World of Hanna-Barbera. I feel like it was one of those where they just grabbed a bunch of the old shows mixed with some of the new stuff, and the new stuff always sucked. Oh, Damn. Trying to look. Okay, here's I mean, some of, here's some of the shows that were newer. Uh, Skedaddle. What the fuck is that? Young Robin Hood. Yo Yogi. Remember that one? We talked about that. Wake, Rattle, and Roll. Okay, Two Stupid Dogs is awesome. SWAT Cats is fine. Yes. Um, Pirates of Dark Water. Fucking rad. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, some of these are really good, but there was a period where Hanna-Barbera was just taking money from toy companies to develop something, and this is just bottom. This is this is really just scraping, uh, you know, creative bankruptcy for Hanna-Barbera. Right, like this is the, one of the most original things they could come up with, and again, uh, I just couldn't really see it going too far. No, I don't like gimmick toy lines, like where they don't really build a story in a world and it's very versatile. These are literally just superheroes who ride around on, or not superheroes, soldiers who ride around on zip lines. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It is goofy. They're geologists and they have to, you know, create this particular element. I'm like, uh, they could have gotten a little more detailed with this, but, uh, okay. Well, if you think so, about yeah, the successful, that... if you think about the successful toy lines, the only one that was really gimmicky that was successful was Thundercats, and that was a barely gimmick. Oh God, yeah. Thinking of that, yeah, I mean, it did have like a particular, you know, grounded story. Yeah, you know? uh, and the mythology always has to be strong because kids love mythology, and there just isn't much here now. Um, this lasted 13 episodes. It got pretty much cast off. The other cartoon that I wanted to discuss is called Ring Raiders. It's a gimmick toy, but the mythology on this and the animation is very unique. 
and I saw this about 15 years ago and just stuck in my mind. I, I always wanted to get around to doing this show. What did you think of it? Like I said, I thought it was pretty interesting, like how uh, there was uh, history between like the main protagonist or leader of uh, this. Oh my gosh, why, why did I just blink on the name? You just said it. Ring Raiders. Ring Raiders. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Uh, the leader of the Ring Raiders had history with the other, uh, with the pilot of the uh, enemy of the bad guys, and. I thought that was like very unique for like a kid's show. You know, they were both at the academy. You know, one was like pulling tricks, like this, like you know, kind of a secret little race between the two. And yeah, like there was an actual depth to the main villain. I mean, of course, you want to punch him in the face because yeah. he did, but it, you know, he ended up getting burned in the face anyway. <laughs> yeah, this it's a really weird mythology. It's almost too complicated for its own good. Is that they have the ability to go through time. Uh, the Skull Squadron created it first, and that's how they were going to manipulate things and take control of the world, whereas the Justice crew has also rushed to make their own time uh, machine, but instead of having their own crew uh, already you know, made, they go through time and pick up some of the greatest uh, flyers of all time to do, do this battle. And they, uh, they're not cybernetic like the Skull Squadron, but they have special rings that give them the ability to temporarily shift uh, their machines and their suits into something stronger that can withhandle, withstand the battle. But the problem is, is that it's connected to your nervous system, and you stay in that mode too long, it'll strip your nervous system and you die. That's a really interesting take. Oh yeah, absolutely. I thought that was very unique and detailed. Uh, heck, even for a kid's show. I thought it was something that would hook them. Yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, it did actually hook me for quite a while too, and I'm watching it, and I'm just like, kind of a little wild by it. Like the, you get a very unique cast of characters. Yeah. As well. well, also the artwork is very unique. I, I cannot, I cannot think of another cartoon that quite likes looks like this. It's a little bit anime. It's a little bit Canada, but there's something just I can't put my finger on what makes it look this way. I know, and you're kind of it's kind of a good thing that they've done that. It makes it all again. It makes it stand out from the rest of the Saturday morning lineup. Sadly, it was not part of a Saturday morning lineup. It was a syndicated TV show from Deke. Uh, originally started as a two-hour special. Then there was five more half-hour episodes after that that were stripped through the week, Monday through Friday, and then that was it. The toy line was a massive failure. It was supposed to compete with um, uh, Micro Machines. And instead of being on the ground, oh, you, you flew them on your fingers. They literally rode on, on a ring and a little post. And you could fly around like that, and you had like little triggers to make sounds like you were flying around and shooting. That seems kind of cool. Yeah, it did, but I mean, uh, against Micro Machines? No way, oh, no. yeah. Micro Machines just had yeah. it down from day one. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I mean, as far as like having like full-scale like action figures, did the Ring Raiders have that? No, it was always just the ships, and I think a couple of them you could see like the Micro guys inside... There was a, a craze oh. for micro versions of everything back then. Remember when they had headmasters for the transport? Wait, you weren't even born yet, I don't think, or you were one. Yeah, I was. I, I was just born in '88. Yeah. So, but there was a there was a fad from like '87 to '89 where everything had to be a tiny versions of what you already knew. Mm-hmm. And thus gave rise to so many particular brands yeah is it weird that micro machines Street is meetings. no longer a thing it is defunct because they overspent on licensing and producing and then just went belly up 
which is a shame. I know, but I mean, at least Hot Wheels are still still around. Oh, here it is. This is why the cartoon looks unique. It was, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, temp, uh, I can't talk. Uh, co-designed by Kevin Altereri, who is known for doing uh, Cops, Batman the Animated Series, Stripperella. Uh, I thought, oh, damn. I could have swore that somewhere in here, the who's the guy who created... Uh, Oh, damn it. The, the movie that has uh, Charlize Theron in it. Uh, Eon Flux. I could have swore the guy from Eon, Eon Flux, yes. I am almost certain that he worked on this because that's what it looks like. It looks like a lot of his design work from Eon, Eon Flux is in this. What the hell was his name? Who created Eon Flux? There's supposed to be animation well, specialists. I can't fucking remember. <laughs> I just looked at it last yeah. night. Uh, Peter Chung. Oh okay. Yeah, I was I was watching I was watching. Yeah. There's a Toy Galaxy is a YouTube channel. YouTube, a YouTube channel on uh, toys that usually failed. They give you a history of it, and that's where they drop the fact that uh, Peter Chung had worked on it, but he'd only done the initial designs. He never actually got to work on the cartoon. Hmm. And so they just kind of went off with that, right? Kind of like with what Rise of Skywalker did. They yeah. just went off of what they got from Colin Trevorrow. All right, so this is what I'm looking at. Peter mm. Chung, uh, besides the obvious Eon, Eon Flux, is he worked on Fire and Ice, the Transformers movie. But he his very first character design work came from Cops, which is what we did in the last episode. Ring Raiders, uh, character design for Rugrats. That's why I know that nose. The main character has a very uh, unique nose and lips, and he must have taken inspiration later into Rugrats. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I didn't know that he huh. did the animated uh, Chronicles of Riddick movie. Interesting. Oh, yeah, that's right. There was an animated one. And it, I, you know, when I used to go to Blockbuster a lot around that time, I thought that's what that design of Riddick reminded me of. And I, Did he work on Phantom 2040 as well? Yes, he did. Wow, how did you know that? Because Phantom 2040 had the same, I think, had the same design. Yeah, I was going to say, but I just kind of left it on the table. I was like, nah, he's not going to care. I love Phantom 2040. Yeah, it was, that was one of the very first episodes we ever did. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of names Man, in the cast. A... Uh, a lot of people would know Roscoe Lee Brown. is just a very droll, dry voice kind of man. And there's Chuck McGann. Uh, Ike Eisenman, if you've ever seen Return to Witch Mountain. Uh, he is the young boy from that. He was doing voice work. But everything, everybody else I don't really recognize. Except Squidward played the villain Scorch, who uh, was Roger Bumpus. Yeah, no, I, you know who else wasn't in this? For who? the first time ever? Frank Welker. Oh, yay! Can we make it through the whole episode without Frank Welker? We love Frank Welker, but come on, he's ubiquitous and it's kind of tiresome. What's the next cartoon we're discussing? Uh, <laughs> let's see. The um, next cartoon was... Uh, oh, gosh, hold on. Let me look up the name. Those new adventures of Beanie and Cecil. I'm coming, Beanie Boy! That's what it is, Beanie and Cecil. I know. I was just watching it a little while ago. That's my favorite yeah, of all again. of these. It's so much fun. It's so cute. It is. It's adorable. It's cute. It's goofy. Uh, it's definitely toned down. And Billy West again. I recognize that. I recognize that voice as well. Yeah, this is after the Mighty Mouse show had been canceled, and they moved uh, John K over to his own show on, I think it was CBS. Uh, they did eight episodes, but only five aired. Oh no, it was really this. I'm sure this aired on CBS. 
ABC. I was wrong. Very short-lived, very creative, wild and fun. Um, I love the cast. And we have Maurice LaMarche's Dishonest John. Ha, ha, ha. I can't do his laugh, but... Yeah, I know. Again, it was just so... <laughs> you can tell, like, as far as, like, the voice work goes, like, they would purposefully have them overdo it and just be uh, just downright ridiculous. Yeah. You know, because it was trying to capture that particular... Um, it was trying to capture the... What's the right word I would have to use? Campiness of that decade? Yes. But, um... Again, yeah, the animation style uh, definitely, of course, looked exactly like Brennan Stimpy. Wow, I didn't know this. There was a war going on between John Kay and ABC and the Clampett family. Uh, Bob Clampett, the legendary uh, Looney Tunes animator, uh, originally created the show in the 50s, which was like a puppet show wow. that became an animated show and then it made it all the way back to animation again. Um, it lasted eight episodes, but there was long negotiations. There was tension between the, the studio and Kirk Lucy because he was making stuff too, uh, I guess, for children, shocking and offensive, too risque. And the more that they pushed him to make it softer, the more he pushed in the opposite direction. So ultimately, they canceled it because it was a headache to deal with. I had a blast watching this. I think it's a beautiful animation. It's a really goofball story. Oh, absolutely. Oh, gosh, especially with, especially with that confrontation at the end of the first episode. Finding that giant robot, yeah, and, um, <laughs> the three-headed like it was a little bit of a Godzilla parody in there. Oh, absolutely! Oh my! Speaking of, have you seen the trailer for Kong versus Godzilla? No, I have not. I'm trying to stay away from trailers. So. I feel like trailers are ruining everything now. <laughs> Dang! All right, gotcha. Understandable. Uh, two main Wait, writers on this, this were Chuck Lorre and Paul Dini. Oh, what? oh my god, I think I think I recognized that during the credits. I was like, oh, what? what? No way. Yeah. I had no idea they started off in anime. Wait, did you say that Chuck Lorre um, started off in uh, with Mighty Mouse? Yeah, so they, he brought him over to this, and then, of course, because of the whole frustration, he went over to, not Chuck Lorre, but um, John Kay went over to Nickelodeon a couple years later to do Ren and Stimpy at his own pace, also causing huge problems because he was taking forever. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, Paul Dini, yeah, he was one of the... He he also worked on um, the Batman animated series as well, right? Yeah, well, that's kind of his calling card. Oh, absolutely. Oh, gosh, yes, and he helped create Harley Quinn. Yeah. Yeah, DC was really oh, where he blossomed in and moved forward. Instead of just being a writer, he was a creator. There's a difference for people who don't understand what I'm saying. Absolutely, yes. I mean, and it showed off and paid off so well. What I love and, is, uh, <laughs> this is amusing to me, and we've joked about this before, Deke Entertainment produced this show. They produced a lot of animation in the 80s and 90s. Their studio got sold off to a company called DHX Dicks. Pronounced Dicks. DHX. <laughs> turned into Cookie Dick Jar. upgraded plural. Yeah, it could turn to Cookie Jar <laughs> Entertainment. Now it's called Wild Brain. Wild Brain. <laughs> um, I have forgotten what our fourth oh, cartoon man. is. What the hell is it? It's called uh, Vitor, the Starfire Champion. Um, you know, I did actually enjoy this animation. It there was definitely some um, rotoscoping, at least like some new, uh, or at least updated rotoscoping, along with the 
the animators of Captain Planet. I thought it was pretty fun. Uh, the way it like played itself out, it almost reminded me of somewhat of Legend of Zelda and Beyond Oasis. It reminded me of those video games. Yeah, and it's it's weird when you have and it's never fully explained unless I missed it. Is where they have uh, technology, but they're also like cavemen, sword and sorcery times, and he has that super shield. And he's taking on these warriors of way better gadgets. That's always strange. It's like a mixture of science and sword and sorcery, which is what Master of the Universe really conquered. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they blended that uh, together beautifully. Uh, this um, is from a newer company that most people don't know about because they died off pretty fast uh, in doing major productions. Uh, World Events Productions is known for Voltron. They own the American rights. So they're still active, but only when a Voltron project is going uh, they did this, they did Saber Rider, Denver the Last Dinosaur, and then it just kind of died off. They did a Bubsy. Do you remember the video game Bubsy? Oh, yes. Oh, gosh. That was a classic video Yeah, game. they only did a pilot for it. It did not get picked up. And, uh, yeah, it's a very unique-looking cartoon. I think it had early CGI, if I'm correct. It did, actually, yeah. In some uh, instances, it did. Wow. Uh, you know, as far as that concept, uh, sci-fi and uh, sword and sorcery, yes, it's like people who lived up in the uh, cloud, uh, the city, and the cities up in the sky were all high tech and everything, and always looking down on the meager people who were like, you know, yeah, it reminds me of Elysium. Cultural, uh, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know uh, this that the the reason the show failed is because they could never get a toy deal signed. They only made a handful of cartoons to, you know, kind of promote it, and it just got dumped in syndication, and that was it. Damn. Yeah, you can you can get them on DVD though. They are it is on uh, uh, Amazon for like ten bucks for all the episodes. Like I said, it was a very unique looking cartoon. I was actually enjoying it. Oh wow! It was only just the beginning of things. Of course, Peter Cullen's the most recognizable voice as Optimus Prime, and and of course he's. uh, does lots of trader uh, narrations and other animated voice work, but we also have, I didn't know this, I've never heard this name before in all the years that we've been doing this, Patrick Howard Fraley is mostly known for doing voices for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon as Krang, Casey Jones, and Baxter Stockman. Of course. Oh, man. Who else was in here? That sounded familiar. I mean, besides Peter Cullen. I know the name Neil Ross from some of the stuff that we've done. Uh, no roles that really stand out that I know. Well, there was Michael Horton, who does the main character. Oh, yeah, he was, the, uh, he was in Star Trek Insurrection. Which one's Insurrection hmm. again? Oh, that's the one with... Um, that was the one with, that was directed by Jonathan Frakes, where they take on... Um, Oh, where they go to the planet oh. where they're super young, right? Yeah, and they don't age. Yeah, and that's the only time you'll hear the word, <laughs> the only hear the word insurrection in a positive sense. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. F. Murray Abram was the villain. Yeah, and he had his face all stretchy. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> that was in some. That was like you know generations of surgery. Yeah. He lived that long. Um, so <laughs> this is the uh, a 1989 cartoon, which is a perfect way to end it because we have come to the end of the 80s on Back in Tunes. We'll be back next year 
with uh, some cartoons from the 90s. That one's probably going to take longer because there's way more cartoons in, in that decade because we got the launch of Cartoon Network. We have Fox Animation launching and uh, Nickelodeon starts picking up the, the, the budget and doing their own original stuff. So the 90s are going to be very interesting when we pick up for season of Back of Tunes, The Revenge, or whatever. Oh, yes. The Salvation. Yeah, and, oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Well, um, I don't want to think it's religious, though. Uh, oh, okay, of course not. So uh, we'll be discussing some animated movies. We're about to start the 1986 season, and that's the boom of animation in uh, theaters. We're going to get Transformers the movie. We're going to get uh, American Rabbit. We're going to get The Great Mouse Detective and so many more animated movies mixed in with the regular ones. So check us out there for the rest of the year over on Hit Rewind Podcast. Jacob, thank you for this short season of Back in Tunes. And everybody, I apologize for canceling this show. This is how we're going to just do small seasons for you since you've been supporting us so much. I almost tripped over my own words. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It couldn't help it. You just get so choked. (laughs) Yeah. I also got drool just pouring out my side. I got. What if I had like a Bismarck E tongue? It was like really big and the, and the kind of. Or went to the oh dentist. Oh. What if you go? Let's go get number ten shots for no reason whatsoever and just call like that. Numb tongue. Oh yeah. god. Now just as long as we, as long as we don't pull off any Jar Jar Binks impressions. Let, let's let's just, just pour gravy in our mouth and just pour it out of our mouth. Now there's a bring us together. <laughs> I'll give an offer he can't refuse. <laughs> okay. Alright, everybody. <laughs> Thank you and have a good one. Hey, I'm saying good luck, you guys. Yeah, have a good night. Alright.